There's something ripping curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal Extra, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Now, I know what you are thinking, you was expecting earlier in the month a World Space Week event. Well, I can only apologise for this because we had a few technical issues and we weren't able to get the guests in that we wanted to. So, that all fell through, unfortunately. So what we planned to do instead was a podcast for International Observe the Moon Night, which is coming up on the 16th of October, and that should be the date that you are listening to this. Now, normally on TGP Nominal Extra, we have our Sky Guide, and uh, yes, we will be having a kind of a Sky Guide, although a little bit shorter because it's the middle of the month. And to do that, we usually have Ross Hockham from UK Astronomy coming on the show to do so. But that's going to be a little bit different today because joining me on the show is Ross Hockham, BCAE. Hello. Yes, my name has uh, got longer somehow. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what uh, the, the BCAE is all about. So it's a British Citizen Award, which isn't easy to say. <laughs> I didn't actually even know it existed until my wife, well, she, she nominated me for it. And uh, yeah, I just got an email a couple of months before we actually went, which is the end of September. And we actually went to collect this BCAE. I thought it was a scam or some spam when I first read this email. And it said that I've been nominated for an award. And I was like, you what? <laughs> I never even heard of it. So I ended up talking to my wife. She was on the phone at the time. So I was talking to my mates. I was on the phone to him going, I've just got this email through. So I ended up like, I've got to go to Parliament or something and pick up a medal and a certificate for something I've done, apparently. I thought I was in trouble at first. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it turns out once I spoke to my wife that her and my friend Nick had actually nominated me to receive a British Citizens Award for education. So the last six years of going and teaching kids and doing events and doing the things I love, we got invited to Parliament to receive a medal and an award. And my wife was really chuffed because it was actually Tim Vincent, <laughs> who's an old crush of hers, apparently. I didn't know this until she didn't stop banging on about him. <laughs> he was actually giving them out. So he used to be, he, was, he said he was the youngest presenter of Blue Peter. That's right. So I do know him. I do know who he is and I recognised him. And he looks really good for his age. I've got to admit, if you're listening to him, <laughs> amazing job. I need to find out what you use. He used to be on a, a kid's show called Children's Ward as well. Ah, oh, yes. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Children's Ward. Yeah, he was brilliant. He was really chilled out down to earth. He had a, he made a few jokes and a good laugh and stuff. But yeah, as, as most people who know me, I don't really like these sorts of things. I get really nervous about, like even just the, the first part was you have like a sit down meal at Parliament, nice afternoon tea. I barely ate anything. To be fair, I think I drank more of the wine that was there. <laughs> All I had to do the first bit was walk up and collect this awesome medal. I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you so you can pop it in the notes if you like. So people can actually see what it is. I didn't even have to say anything, but oh my God, I was so nervous. Awesome thing was everyone had a little soundtrack. 
So there's a guy that did like 70 years of sea cadets and he received one and his was Pirates of the Caribbean was played as he got up and I thought that's awesome. I got up and it was Star Trek and it was the new one. So the theme tune, I actually walked up to Tim and I just shook his hand and went, I love Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was a right weirdo. But yeah, it was really nice. And then from there we had like a... uh, a bus tour around London, so a guided tour on the open buses and we were really lucky, it was a nice day. A little bit chilly, but we managed to sit at the front so there's a bit of wind resistance there. And that was really cool, learned all about London and you know some of the cool facts about it, which now I'm going to bore other people with. <laughs> Where then it was like, you got your certificate and that was a proper stage. There was this awesome opera singer lady that got up and did this amazing song. Then you had to wait for your turn to go up, shake the hands again, receive the certificate and then they ask you a couple of questions and you're just like, I need more wine. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I did manage to get a Uranus joke out as well. I made the, everybody there laugh. So Tim had a good chuckle about that. Got it over and done with. Went off the stage, looked at my wife who was taking pictures and she was a blubbering wreck. <laughs> you know, we stayed overnight as well because we thought I would stay there, make a night of it and walked around London the next day. For me, it was really humbling because I don't like people talking about me. Do you know what I mean? The charity's fine and what we do, but when it ends up being me and me getting an award, it's kind of crazy. You don't realise that you might have, you know, actually has inspired other people to, you know, maybe go out and do good or just look at the stars or something. So, yeah, mad. <laughs> so the award is a BCA, yeah. but the E obviously stands for the subject that you've got recognition for. So that in your case, it's education. Yep. I've seen people with BCAV and yep. there's been other ones as well. I'm, I'm assuming that means voluntary work or something like. Yeah, I think it's voluntary. I think there's education. I think there might be health. I, I'm not too sure which ones are which. Mm-hmm. But there was, there was about three or four different ones. And yeah, I got E for education. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did have a look at the, the official website because they give away the awards twice a year so you get them in January and in July and they haven't actually put the list of the July recipients on the website yet it might have changed by the time you look at this and um, so they only had the January one so any time now could be Ross on the official website yeah it's all good fun so I think it's time we have a short break and when we come back we're going to talk a bit about International Observe the Moonlight Good morning. It's T minus 45 minutes until the final countdown commences. In less than one hour, if all goes according to plan, the three members of the Apollo 11 crew will blast off in their... My father's name was Edwin Eugene Aldrin. ...has dreamt of mankind's greatest adventure. I became Buzz. Destination, the moon. We look back at the earth and watch it get smaller. Oh, it was beautiful. Apollo 11, this is Houston. I've got the morning news here if you're interested, over. Go ahead, Houston. An Irishman has won the world porridge eating championship by consuming 23 bowls of instant oatmeal. I'd like to enter Aldrin in the oatmeal eating contest next time. He's on his 19th bowl. <laughs> Roger. 
human nature and curiosity is to explore the world around us. And the world around us includes way beyond. Go Houston, go for landing, over. I got it then, go for landing. Roger, 1202, we copy it. We're go, same type, we're go. Okay, engine stop. We copy you down, Eagle. The next generation of explorers should not ever give up. This is TGP Nominal. Welcome back to TGP Nominal Extra. As we mentioned before the break, the first part of the show is all going to be about International Observe the Moon Night. Now, you might not be aware of what that is. It is a huge event that takes place globally, and it was created by NASA to encourage people to look up, basically. It doesn't matter where you are, you can see the moon. And around this time of year is probably the best time to see it. So that's the reason why they've chosen it it can be any time between september and october but this year they have chosen the 16th of october you can either attend a virtual or an in-person event or observe the moon from your home where you'll be connecting with fellow lunar enthusiasts around the world through the official international observe the moon night facebook page or you can use the hashtag observe the moon on your socials and join the International Observe the Moon Night Flickr page. Now, the goals of International Observe the Moon Night are to unite people across the globe in a celebration of lunar observation, science and exploration, to raise awareness of NASA's lunar science and exploration programs, to empower people to learn more about the moon and space and science and exploration using Earth's moon as an accessible entry point. It's also there to inspire people to share moon-inspired stories, images and artwork and to inspire people to look at the world around them and beyond. Now there are ideas of what you can do for International Observe the Moon Night on our show notes. I'm assuming there's a couple of things that you can do through UK Astronomy. Yeah, well we've got loads of stuff we can do. I mean I've got a little guide here as well that I can talk about what you can see on the actual night and as, as Mark said, it doesn't have to be on the 16th. To be fair, you can go out any night in the next year and go and look at the moon. This is just an opportunity for everybody to almost spend an evening. Think about it. Everybody's out there in their gardens on the same night looking at the moon. Because usually we see it all the time. I mean, half the time you just ignore it and it's up in the sky. And the thought that everybody's out doing the same thing all together as a collective and just, you know, taking a moment to forget the world and look at the moon and just kind of relax and chill and forget the worries of what's going on. So we've got quite a few things we've got on our website. There's a couple of worksheets there, some about the moon landings, some about the moon. There's like word searches and things like that for people to do. There's also a journal. So there's a moon journal. It's about what, 27, 28 days it takes for a lunar cycle. Go out there and in the journal each day, just color in the phase or draw any of the mare you can see or things like that. And I'll go into mare and that in a minute. So it's something you can go out with the kids or grandkids or if you just want to do it as well for fun. I mean, I've done it. I quite enjoy it. It's cool. It helps you learn how the actual moon moves and how it kind of goes around us. And you can see the shadow changing on it, how it waxes and wanes. Because not a lot of people realize that it does. The shadow goes one way and then it goes back the other way. 
and people don't realize that so by coloring it in and actually also seeing whereabouts it is in the sky because it moves every night you can actually get an idea of how you know we move it moves and how you know the solar system works i love the moon it's absolutely awesome and the good thing about the dates that have been chosen for this year's event is that the phenomena, the unusual events, the illusions and things that are on the moon are very prominent about this time of the cycle, isn't it? Yep, so we're lucky because it's October. Obviously, it's darker, so you can see it sooner. And the darker it is, the more the moon shines and the more cooler it looks. And they've deliberately done it. Well, I think they've deliberately done it. So it's not a full moon. Because on a full moon, yeah, you can see all the features, but they kind of get blurred out a bit because it's so bright. Whereas if you've got it when the shadow's actually kind of just crossing it a bit, there's loads you can see. And they happen to have done it on kind of like three quarter full moon. So you've got like all the left hand side now, you'll be able to see all these craters and sort of like mountains as well. And there's some really cool craters we'll go through in a bit that you can actually have a look at. So there's something for everyone, really. So as I said, go onto the show notes and have a look at what you can do for International Observe the Moon Night, and you'll be very surprised what there is out there resource-wise to keep you entertained. So we're gonna take another short break, and then when we come back, Ross is going to do his Sky Guide for October. Did you know that right now we have a spacecraft orbiting the moon? The Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter has been at the moon for over seven years, providing unprecedented detail into our nearest neighbor in space. I'm Noah Petro, and for more information about the moon and the LRO mission, go to nasa.gov slash LRO and follow us on Twitter at LRO underscore NASA. So Ross, it's not your usual sky guide because as I mentioned earlier, we're doing this in the middle of the month. So a lot of the things that you could possibly have seen have already taken place, but that doesn't mean it's not eventful nonetheless. There's a lot going on, isn't there? It's quite a busy month. <laughs> So it's a slightly shorter one than usual. Now to start it off, I'm gonna to have to start with Uranus, I'm afraid. It actually reaches opposition at the beginning of November. So this month is a great time to actually go out and spot the butt of all astronomy jokes, as they say. You will need a telescope to see it. You can't see it by eye because it is quite dim. And you're gonna find it right kind of like just to the right of the Pleiades between Aries and Cetus's head. So if you look at Taurus the ball, you've got Orion and his belt. They're starting to come up now, which is really cool towards the, the edge of the night, about midnight-ish, maybe before. Follow the belt up to the right, you'll find Taurus. Aldebaran is the big right red star. Go up a bit more, you'll find a little cluster of stars called the Pleiades. And to the right of that, is where Uranus pretty much is. There's not really much point me telling exactly where it is because you're gonna have to have a sky sort of like app or something like that really to find it because it is kind of stuck in the middle of nowhere. So you're gonna have to have a look on an app, star hop and find Uranus as they say. So that's a little challenge maybe if you've got a telescope, you might be able to see it with binoculars. I have heard that you can. I've not done it myself and it's probably a bit of a challenge unless you've got a tripod, but go out and have a go, you never know. Now the easy ones to see still are Jupiter and Saturn. They're still really nice in the evening skies. Uh, they're not at their best because we have moved away from them in orbit quite way, but you can still see Jupiter's bands, you can see its moons, you can see Saturn's ring system. So they're still both really worth a peek and you can see them still up there in the sky really bright. So if you haven't, why? Because I talk about them every month. Get out and have a look at them. Uh, now there is a little slight challenge in the sky throughout the month and that's the now famous Rosetta Comet which is where they landed. Actually I think they crash landed but it still worked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they still got samples of things and actually got pictures and great stuff from it. I'm going to have a go at the name, this will be fun. So it's 67P 
Churimov, Jerezmenko. I'm going to go with that. It sounds good to me, but we call it the Rosetta Comics. It's easy. But that's the name you need to look for <laughs> if you're going to go and try and find it. It is on Stellarium. I had a look earlier and it will show you exactly where it is because it is moving through the sky. They said it's going to start brightening up this month. They think it's going to be something like around about nine. So it's not going to be that bright. With a, you'd need a, you know, a moderately sized telescope to actually see it. You probably won't see it with binoculars. It's starting to move up towards Gemini. Uh, you will need good skies probably to spot it but cameras will pick it up quite well from what I've seen on Stellarium it's saying it's still about plus 13 but who knows the magazines and stuff are usually more up to date than Stellarium quite often because the software you know doesn't always get updated all the time and as you know comets are sporadic they can just suddenly brighten for no reason or go the opposite way so yeah there's a nice comet up there heading towards Gemini as I said I will put it on the notes and I'll try and put its direction for you throughout the month so you can actually see it in the notes for TGP so there's a comet and there's planets. Now on to the next planet, Mercury. It's going to start rising up in the morning sky from the 16th and it's going to peak at its highest around about the 25th before it then starts slowly moving back towards the horizon. Uh, watch it over that time with a telescope and you'll see its phase gradually change as it kind of goes up around the sun and then back again. So that's something cool you can look at and if you're just using your eyes see if you can spot it slowly moving up each night because every night it will slowly move because it's, it's a f well I say slowly it's fast it only takes 88 days so what 44 days on this side and then 44 days on the other side so within a few days you'll see it actually moving around the sky getting higher than getting lower again. So it's quite cool to see. The 16th is the highlight. International Observe the Moon Night. Although they say in England it's not its best or the highest on this day, but it's still really easy to observe and it's still got all the cool features to see on our nearest neighbour has to offer. Apparently it's kind of at its best or highest. Someone said in April. I've not looked into this. I don't know. But from what I can see, when I see it out in the sky at the moment, yeah, you'll be able to find it easy. Don't worry about that. You'll definitely be able to find the moon. Right, we're going to move to the 21st because we've got the peak of the Orionids. So although there will be a bright moon up, washing out a few, a nearly almost full moon, there's about an average of maybe 20 an hour. They radiate between Orion's Betelgeuse, which is the big red star on his shoulder, so just above Orion's belt, and the constellation Gemini to its left. So in between those two is kind of where it goes from. But as I always say with meteors, have a look up at the sky. You might see a few fly over. I was out the other night just randomly having a stroll, I looked up and I saw two, and it's not even the peak yet. Whether they're Orionids or not, I don't know, but you can still see them. It is said that they're best seen in the earlier hours, because you have to wait for Orion to rise, and it is kind of rising up slowly, so probably after like 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, it's meant to be best. But, you know, if in doubt, just go out and have a look when you can. You never know, you might see one go past. On the next morning, 12.30 a.m., on that same day, or technically not the same day, but until I go to sleep and wake up again, it's not another day as far as I'm concerned. So 12.30 a.m., Jupiter's moons Callisto and Io are going to transit the planet, but with the planet setting not long after this date, I think it only takes about another half an hour, maybe an hour before it sets, you're really only going to get to see it for like an hour or two and you're going to need like a low tree free or building free southwest horizon so you'll see both the moons kind of one above the other at sort of like an angle just going onto the planet again about a quarter of the way across it and then it sets but you know if you're lucky and you're out and you've got a clear horizon have a quick peek and you'll see two moons transiting the planet on the 25th, we go back to Mercury. This is when it reaches its greatest Western elongation this morning. So it starts rising about two hours before the sun and is around the best time to spot the elusive planet this month or for a couple of months because it is going to be the highest point up in the sky and it seems to go almost straight up and then it's going to almost kind of go straight down again over the month. So the 25th, best and highest time to see Mercury. 
but watch it throughout the month and see it move. We move to the 28th. Tonight's a uh, last quarter moon, and it's really close to uh, the Beehive Cluster, which we speak about quite a lot because it seems to have the same path. So through the next months, it kind of gets closer to the same things until the skies change over the seasons. You may be able to fit both the moon and this cool cluster of stars within the field of view of a pair of binoculars. It's known as Presepi or M44, it's the Beehive Cluster. It's located pretty much in the middle of Cancer the Crab. Awesome cluster of all sorts of coloured stars, and then to have sort of like a quarter moon next to it as well, both together, be brilliant. So if you've got a camera, if you can get both on there, no idea how to do that with settings, that would be Will Photography thing because he's brilliant at that stuff so if you do want to know about that you can always send us an email at info at ukastronomy.org and we can always find out how you can actually get a picture of both together but if not get your binoculars on it have a look have a play of your camera you never know what you might get we move to the 29th it's now time for venus it reaches its greatest eastern elongation in the evening but it isn't at its best so it's not really best placed at the moment because it sets about an hour and a half after the sun so it is going to be low on the horizon but if you pop a scope on it and you do manage to find it try not to get the sun in the scope because you know it'll make you go blind so don't look at the sun it'll have kind of like a half phase as it's kind of like slowly setting and moving around and it's probably going to start slowly i think it's going to slowly start disappearing again now onto the last but not least the 31st now kind of not astronomy because we made it up but british summertime ends so the clocks go back at 1am apparently which is good for us because it brings in the colder darker nights for us astronomers fingers crossed for a winter of clear skies but for other people it makes them all kind of miserable and sad the summer for us still good for astronomy you can still see loads of stuff but the dark nights when all the cool stuff comes up. Yeah, so that's the month ahead. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of TGP Nominal and its infinite mission to explore space, science, and technology news. To explore the world of sci-fi, Comic-Con, and gaming. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Usually at this time we talk about the objects of the month, but because it's International Observed the Moon Night, well, the moon is all of those objects. So what have you got for us regarding the moon? So as you know, International Observed the Moon Night is on the 16th. We don't just invite you, it's the whole world does, NASA does. We all invite each other and all of you to go out and look at our nearest neighbour. Whether it's just using your eyes, binoculars or a telescope. The idea is really just to get everyone around the world to go out and look up. So on the night in the UK, the moon is at its highest from about 9pm, roughly, give or take. And it's nicely placed just to the left of Jupiter, with Saturn lower to Jupiter's right. So you've got two planets and the moon, so you can look at all of them if you're lucky. So with just your eyes... You see if you can make out its mares, which are the dark patches, and as I always say, they're Latin for seas. They're actually more like seas of molten rock, so if you think of it like that, that is kind of maybe a sea, a sea of lava. The lava cooled into these darker plains that we get to see that are called mare. The moon is around three quarters full, so you're going to be able to see a host of mares on its right-hand side. You'll see a load of kind of smaller patches of them compared to its left-hand side, where it's almost like it looks like almost one big patch, but they actually are split up. The ones on the left will just kind of be peeking out from its shadow. The large one in the middle is where the uh, Apollo 11 mission landed, and there's actually three craters in that mare, 
that are named after the three astronauts. So if you do have a telescope, see if you can get an app. There's like Moon Globe HD, which is really cool, can show you on there. You can actually see the three tiny little craters that are named after the three astronauts. And I won't give them away. I'll let you try and figure out which ones are which. So that's on the right-hand side, the one in the middle, sort of larger one. Now you're not going to get to see the landing site because it is absolutely tiny and also it's kind of grey on grey. So it's going to be impossible to see from here. But the uh, Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter did take pictures of the landing site, which is quite cool if you pop that into Google and put images. So while you're looking there, think that's where we landed. Even just with your eyes, you can see the patch where kind of we went and then Google it as well. And you can see, well, not on the 11, but you can see where the buggies and stuff went on the other ones. On the left hand side, there's a huge mare, which is called Imbrium. And that's the big sort of top part, which kind of joins down through lots of smaller mares into the mare Nubium which is the lower one. So there are about three or four different ones in the middle, but when you look at it, it all kind of looks like one big massive mare, but they have been split up. As I said, there are four or five main mare on the right-hand side. See if with your eyes you can see them and split them up into little bits. On the left-hand side, you may see the crater Copernicus right in the middle of the mare. It looks like it kind of has streams of valleys flowing out from all around it. So it almost looks like a volcano with lava going everywhere, but it's not. It's just where it's been impacted and all the debris flown out. You may spot that with binoculars. If you get a scope on it, you're definitely going to see it. If you've got really good eyes, if the shadow's just at the right point, it may just be glinting off it. So you may spot it with your eyes, but I've not seen it myself. But whether or not I've got good eyes or not, who knows? But I would say go out, have a look at the moon and just see what you can see with your eyes. Have a go at drawing the mare, you know, take the kids out. See if you can actually draw the moon and what you can see. Or maybe even people say there's a man on the moon, there's a woman on the moon, there's a rabbit on the moon. Any shapes you can make at all of the mare. It's all about looking up and learning. So I'm going to get a little bit about binoculars now. Although I did touch on binoculars and telescopes there because we we're in the area, you should be able to make out the mare really easily with binoculars and you might see there's slightly different colours and things as well around the edges. With a really steady hand along the Terminator. I'll be back. This is the shadowed part, so it'll be to its left hand side. Just to the right of the shadow, you may see there's a large mountain range called Montes Apennis. It's a, along with a host of larger craters like Tycho, which has these massive sort of crater rays with binoculars. I believe Tycho's at the top left. I could be wrong because I'm used to looking through my reflecting telescope which swaps it around, I believe puts it at the bottom. You can go out and check that for me, where Tycho, the massive crater is. You'll see all these sort of white lines going all the way across the moon where a massive impact's hit this and thrown debris all across the moon. So binoculars to see that is really great. There's loads of other huge craters around that you can see and you might be able to see you know, some of the impact marks from them and where they go. So definitely get some binoculars and have a look. If you want to have a go at drawing in a bit more detail, put binoculars on a tripod, have a piece of paper there, maybe a red light. Well, actually, you won't need a red light if you're looking at the moon because it's going to ruin your night vision anyway. So don't <laughs> worry about that. So sit there and draw it. Now, if you do have a telescope, you're lucky to have one. If you look also along the shadow towards the bottom of the Mare Nubium, you may spot a long black line on the Mare's right-hand side, so the bottom of that Mare on the right, there's Rupees Recta, which is an awesome trench line with a few smaller sort of trench lines around it. So it's almost like where maybe there's a lava tunnel under there and it's collapsed into it and things like that. Or maybe it's where an impact has hit and kind of torn it open a bit from the impact or stuff like that. So you can see this really cool line and it gets no light in there at this time of year. So you can really see on this day, huge black line going down there. It's really cool to see something different from a crater. And as I said, just remember, if you do have a reflecting scope that uses mirrors, the image will be flipped and reversed and stuff. 
So an app like Moonglow HD may help you navigate and find the cool creators and features. It's got loads on there for you to see. So if you go to the top of the Mare Imbrium, so that's the big one at the left, just by the uh, shadow, have a peek at the crater there called Plato. That's going to look really awesome. Hopefully the light will be glinting off the top of it. There's also a small mountain just below it, which I didn't know about until I was looking this up today. And it's called Montes Tenerife, as it looks like a little island that looks like Tenerife just below it. So definitely go out and have a peek at that. I'm going to have a look because I haven't seen that yet. And if you look to the left of Plato, the crater, you've got the Jura Mountains, which should also be just sticking out of the shadows, creating the jeweled handle, which we've spoken about before, which is a really cool effect where the tips are kind of just lit up by the sun. It looks like they're kind of shining out from the shadow. So that's just a, the tip of the moon or a tip of the iceberg of all the stuff you can see and that's just one night. So imagine tomorrow, the next night, the 17th, the shadows moved a bit. So it shows you even more different stuff that's on the moon. And as Mark said, there is so much online, so many things that you can do. We have loads of stuff on our website as well, there's loads of guides there and some bits on the moon that you can see and also I will put everything that I've said about here on the notes for you guys so you can actually just look at it rather than hearing me try to explain it. So if you're out there with the notes, have a look at the notes while you're listening to this and while you're looking at the moon and you can learn some stuff. So from me, happy International Moon Day and let's get out there mooning together. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. .weebly.com That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com Once again, thanks for coming on board. I know it's been a bit difficult to try and get something together, but it's always a pleasure having you on the show. And you, thanks very much for having me. As I said, even though it's only half a podcast, it's still fun and it's a special. It is our International Observe the Moon Night podcast. So yes, it is a special edition. It's also a special edition because it's the first podcast of our eighth season and also our seventh anniversary as well. So wow, there you go. Double celebrations. As always, I like to end the show by saying thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us over these last eight seasons. If you've joined us from International Observe the Moon Night, I hope you enjoyed the episode and there's a lot more to be found on our website. Details of everything about us right at the end of the show. Stay safe, everyone, and we will speak to you all again real soon. Clear skies, guys, and remember, there's a billion worlds in your back garden. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. I, 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 I,
station. This is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event. BCAE. Maybe I should put that at the end of that as well. <laughs>